the aha moment came when um, June 2020 throws a COVID. We're all bored. We're all on Twitter. Uh, kids started like hitting up our DMs um, daily, like, and then one um, significant tweet that added up all the parents in the uh, the community we had was, "Why do you support your kids?" And how do I get my parents to support me? So everybody started jumping in, all the parents, like, yeah, what advice, how to, how to talk to your parents. And then one of the parents came out, um, you know, tweeted, like, you guys should start um, uh, a community, start a coalition, a parent group, and call it COPE. Uh, so that night, Shay looked it up and was like, there are no resources here for parents. There are no parent support groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so next day, uh, you know, Shay filed the paperwork and we were off and running. Welcome to Tardux, a podcast for content creators to come on and share their stories, experiences, and advice. And today, I am super excited. I got something different today. I've got Chris from Cope. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, happy you're able to to do this. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, I first heard about you guys through Anne, uh, Anne Benji Fishy. And she was on a pod and talked about working with you guys. Both of you guys have kids that, you know, went through the sort of the esports, you know, what is this crazy thing and, and, you know, helping, helping them get through it. And along the way, helping parents sort of learn about it as well. Yeah. Anna is, is absolutely amazing. Um, known her for a few years now. Um, she was involved with the launch of Cope, um, relying on her as a, a parent advisor. So yeah, we, uh, took different paths to get to where we are. Yeah. Um, our kids took different paths, but, um, yeah, we share a lot of similarities, a lot of the same struggles. So it's always good having that, that parent network that you can rely on and lean on. Yeah. You're not, you don't feel like you're going at it by yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what we do on the pod is we to normally what to get things going. We go with three random questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Favorite place you ever traveled to. Ooh, favorite place I ever traveled to. Um, kind of a toss up. Um, Berlin was amazing. Yeah. Uh, I was have to go there with my son. Um, yeah, Berlin, top of the list, and uh, New Orleans. All right. Yeah. Oh, New Orleans. Interesting. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been there. Yeah. But, um, beautiful place. Love it. Great food. Great okay. beer. Okay. All right. Yeah. Second question. So you get to kick any drummer out of band out of the band throughout rock history. Who are you kicking out so you can step in and and you know be the drummer? Oh, that is so tough. <laughs> um. Like you want to kick Ringo out so you can be part of the Beatles, but then they wouldn't be the Beatles without Ringo, you know. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, growing up, I learned how to play drums playing along with uh, the Who, yeah, and James Brown. Um, but again, like you can't, can't kick any of those guys out of their bands. But yeah, I would love to just sit in, um, yeah, even just for a set with with the Who. Ah, very cool. And for those who don't know, Chris is a drummer in a band called moon moon that All is right. correct yes and actually funny that you said new orleans there is a a band we discovered years ago out of new orleans that their main singer is yeah. the drummer and it's a uh, cowboy mouth okay i'll have yeah. to look them up little, and uh, and he plays oh, center oh. stage and he plays barefoot he comes out in shorts and a, and a t-shirt and a barefoot drummer so much energy it's amazing All right. 
those are two things I can't do is sing while I'm playing, or I just can't sing at all. You know? <laughs> um, I'm playing barefoot. I've tried it so many times, but it just ends up hurting my toes and I'm not too. <laughs> not too <laughs> uh, all right. Third question. If you're going out to your restaurant, what are you getting? What's your favorite thing to order? Um, I mean, my favorite food, hands down, pizza. Yeah. Um, anything with cheese on it. Um, but yeah, I will. Chicken parm guy. Oh, kind of yes. Grew up, grew up in an Italian household. So yeah, any Italian food. You nice. Now, you said grew up in an Italian household. Does pineapple, is it okay to have pineapple on pizza? I want to say yes. Okay. I want to say yes. All right. Good answer. But Uh-oh. another hot take here is pepperoni doesn't belong on pizza. It makes it too greasy. And I'm ah. not a fan of that. Okay. Um, so I'd rather have pineapple over pepperoni. Nice. So. All right. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into, you know, before, you know, Cope, esports, and everything like that. Sort of what is your background before whole gaming aspect of things? Um, before gaming, I had a, I was, uh, I went to college for English writing. Um, I was dead set on being a journalist. Uh, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to write and couldn't get a job after college. So I ended up just getting a job at developmental disabilities Institute, working hands-on adults with autism. Yeah. And I fell in love with it. Um, love working with the guys, love the field. And I ended up staying there for 22 years. Uh, I was a director for Developmental Disabilities Institute up in New York. And yeah, I mean, I, I went to go back to school for my master's for secondary ed. Mm-hmm. Didn't see myself sitting in a classroom uh, yeah. because I, I really enjoyed what I was doing. So I stopped and stopped going, uh, stopped my master's halfway through. Yeah. Um, and moved up the ranks with DDI and yeah, 22 years there. Oh, wow. And now, you know, with autism 20 years ago, it wasn't, you know, like you have, did you have all the sort of the, all of the sort of, you know, umbrella diag, you know, all the different flavors of autism that is out there today that sort of diagnosed, or was it really just, you know, one sort of one name across, you know, the whole thing? It was, yeah, it's not as kind of in depth and granular as it, as it is now with yeah. all the different diagnoses. Uh, but back, you know, back then it was just all under one umbrella. Yeah. It would range from, you know, some of the higher functioning individuals to the lower functioning yeah. you know, verbal, verbal, but that was, that was really as detailed as it got. Yeah. Um, but you know, that being said, you know, all, all the guys were looked at as individuals. Yeah. You know, they all had, they were who they are, you know, yeah. um, when it comes to diagnoses, yeah, it was just all under the umbrella. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Yeah, and and I'm sure like the coping skills back then were far different than what you know that's out there today too. They are, uh, but with DDI, we were very fortunate uh, to work with a lot of great people over at Stony Brook University. Yeah. Uh, and we kind of paved the way for you know, positive behavioral support as uh, one of the you know support methods that's out there, uh, using a lot of you know. Just positive reinforcement yeah um just, just building individualized programs around okay uh, the guys that way oh cool all right so now your son is a gamer were you a gamer growing up casual gamer okay um, dating myself here uh i started playing on atari all right um, that's okay so there wasn't a lot of competitive gaming back then yeah uh, and if there was it was it was hard to find mm-hmm. so 
yeah, I was more of a casual gamer with my friends. Yeah, uh, brothers just hanging out playing, uh, you know, the likes of RBI baseball, technical, oh, yeah, uh, surf and skate on the, <laughs> on the NES, you know, all the old school classics, yeah. California games and all those That's things. Right. Yep, I'm right there with you. I got a few years on you, but I remember in the mid '80s we actually had a game show about arcade, like it was called Starcade, and it was a, a video game gaming show. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. That's what I was missing. That's what I didn't find when I was younger. Oh, uh, yeah. It was sort of like the, you know, the, you know, the 30 minute game show. You have like these four people on, four kids, and they're playing like, you know, Donkey Kong, Centipede, and whoever, you know, got the best score, they moved on to the next round. It was as a, you know, as a kid, it's like, oh my God, video games on TV. You know, we were rocking. That's, yeah, that's, that's happening right there. That's yeah. all I need. <laughs> so now, do you still play games today? Um, I do, but I'm more of a. Do you know, I try playing Fortnite? Yeah. Once you stay in the building, like that really throws me off. Oh God, yeah. Loses me. But you know, when my son was growing up, we would play Halo together. Yeah. Um, and I'm more more into the Mario Kart. Yep. Type of games. That's more my speed nowadays. Yep. I've been getting back into 2K lately. Yeah. Um, trying to keep up with the kids in the house here. Um, they give me a run for their money, but. I'm getting there, getting my practice in. Yeah. It's, you know, I've, I've got three kids and I just, you know, for years you're like, you're beating their butts in games and then all of a sudden it happens. They're now quicker than you. They've learned. It's like, ah, oh, it's just, it's, it's tough. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's once they hit that point where they beat you, it, there's no looking back from it. So nope. beat your kids any way you can while you, <laughs> while you can. <laughs> but I'm, in, and I'm in a, I have one kid, right? So, yeah. Um, but I'm in a co content house right now. Um, oh, so I have five, five kids here, my son and four of his friends. Holy cow. All 1920, all hardcore gamers. So yeah, I can't keep up with them. No, I can't keep up. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm sure. Uh, now speaking of your son, so your son, skeptic, yes. skeptic, yep. skeptic, and he's a Fortnite content creator. At what age did he jump, you know, sort of start getting sort of notoriety for Fortnite and, and the content? He started playing uh, 13. Yeah. Um, you know, as soon as he was able to stream, he had his you know, PC ready and everything ready to go. And you know, Fortnite came out around that time and he was full speed ahead into streaming Fortnite. Um, you know, fast forward about a year when he just, had just turned 14, he had killed Tifu, uh, clipped it, went viral. Uh, within a week, he had a couple hundred thousand subscribers. And you know, he was being hosted on on Twitch by Epic, by Fortnite. Uh, we were being flown out to, to TwitchCon. It was kind of a whirlwind. But yeah, around 14 was when it really took yeah. off. And wow. he kind of made it himself. And now, as a parent, when you know when did it kick into you that this is something special that's going on? It really hit me when we stepped out of the Uber at TwitchCon uh, San Jose in 2018. We, as soon as we got out of the car, like he ran into Hamlin's. Hamlin's knew who he was. Um, he was being swarmed by kids for pictures and autographs. And it was just seeing that, like, it's different when you see it online. Their mm -hmm. Twitter numbers blow up, their stream numbers blow up. But once you see it in person, like, it, it's pretty eye opening. Yeah. Um, so that's what really hit me. TwitchCon 2018 uh, just hit me like a, a wall. Yeah. It was pretty amazing. 
And now back then, you know, not that it was like that long ago, but 2018, you know, did you know much about the whole esports thing or is this sort of, you know, sort of new? It was sort of new. I mean, I had seen, you know, there was a documentary on League of Legends that had just came out, come out around the time. Uh, so I was familiar with, with esports a little bit. I was familiar with streaming uh, on Twitch and YouTube content creation, but not to this level. Like, I didn't know anything about TwitchCon. That was my first real experience mm -hmm. with the entire community. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of learning very quickly. Yeah. And now... Um... Like, how did he do, how was it balancing, you know, content creation, gaming, along with sports back then? With his, with traditional sports? Yeah, no, no, with like esports and his content creation and then, you know, getting him to go to school because now he's got this, you know, potential career. I'm sure that's a tough thing. Well, he, he blew up in the summer right, right after eighth grade. Yeah. Um, he went to high school for about three or four days there's four days and he came home he's like that i can't i can't do this I'm like why what's going on what's happening and he was like i got kids chasing me around school oh asking God. for pictures kids standing up in class screaming my name out he's like i can't focus i'm not gonna learn anything um so is that at that point decided to pull him out of school yeah uh, put him in online schooling which was looking back on it, it was it was a great great move no knock against public school but he kind of he learned at a different pace yeah. um dealt with some anxiety um issues when he was younger he's a very shy quiet kid mm -hmm. so being able to kind of take those classes at, at his own pace was super helpful and i saw a lot of improvement oh good um in his schoolwork and his writing math all his test taking all his test scores and everything just drastic improvement um so he was able to be himself and he was able to find his personality with streaming and creating content and bring that over into his school and his his extracurricular activities. But yeah, it was it was a lot it was difficult for me being you know one a parent then being a manager and yeah. an agent and a social media manager and I was his photographer and videographer and now I was his teacher. Um mm -hmm. So juggling all those different hats was was tough and yeah. it meant like sitting down with him at times and being you know making sure he knows like hey i'm putting on my teacher hat right now like this is my dad hat right um and we gotta kind of lay down the rules right now yeah um so yeah it was, it was tough we we definitely butt heads along the way mm -hmm. but we grew uh it, it helped with our relationship um over the years and just kind of having that respect for one another um as he got older yeah yeah that's that's not an easy thing to do you know being the like you said the teacher and the parent like i know when I took my kids to go, you know, learn skiing, I said, I am not going to teach you because you're going to, you act differently when you're on, you know, what push buttons to push. So, you, yep. you know, with a teacher, you're going to, you know, you're not going to wimp out. You're not going to just, you know, you know, you just, you're going to be a good kid like you are and you're going to listen to the teacher. And that's the tough thing to do. Exactly right. And, I, and that, you know, that's, that's a good point because I was his little league coach and his soccer coach. He wouldn't listen to me on the field. Yeah. Uh, all the other kids, like running drills, um, tips on their batting and fielding, like they'd all pay attention. He was he didn't want to hear it because it was his dad. Yeah. Um, so an assistant coach, he would pick up from them and learn from them. And it's it's no knock against parents. That's just how kids are. Exactly. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So now back then for you, so, you know, the resources, you really had, like you said, you had that one documentary. Now you're managing brand management. Like you said, you're, you know, his manager and coordination and everything like that. It was just, it was just, did you have other peers at back then to, to work with, to help? Not, not at first, no. Yeah. Um, and when I say I was managing his content, I was just kind of, I was taking his lead, following his lead, learning a lot from him because um, he knew the community better than I did. Yeah. So it was, it was uh, very different being able to take a step back as a parent and learning from your kid. Mm-hmm. Whereas most parents are like, I need to teach my kid. I need to show them the way and, you know, be that parent, be that role model. But I was like, you know what? He knows more of this than I, I do. So it was like stepping back, letting him teach me, letting him show me the way. Um, but just being there to manage it, oversee everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was uh, like I said, it was difficult. There weren't a really weren't really a whole lot of people that I could rely on or go to for those mm-hmm. resources. Um, the first group, uh, Misfits Gaming, they were absolutely amazing. Uh, we when he was fourteen, right before he right after he blew up before he signed with Misfits, we had uh, so many orgs reaching out to us, small orgs, tier one orgs hitting him up in his dms and just you could tell it wasn't right and it just didn't really sit well with me until i met um misfits yeah. uh alex who was with misfits at the time um goes by the name wings he was absolutely amazing with just he reached out to me or he reached out to griffin first he was like hey can i talk to your parents like that said a lot about yep. who he was about who the organization was so being able to just talking to them and talking to ben spoon with misfits um really let let me know that you know it's a good place he's here for griffin as a person mm-hmm. uh he wasn't gonna be treating griffin like like a product or a commodity he was here like he wanted us they wanted to sign griffin but it was known right off the bat if he's not doing well in school if he needs a break like he can do that like Nice. there for him any resources he needs any resources i needed uh, and it just yeah it started a great relationship between us and misfits gaming nice and now what were some of the toughest tougher things back then to sort of you know sort of everything it seemed like everything was tough because you you're you're juggling like multiple things in there at the same time but like anything that really sticks out was like yeah it was oh man the biggest thing was I, the, the the toxicity in the community yeah at age. um i mean kids are it's gonna sound terrible but kids are toxic in general right <laughs> the younger kids, one absolutely yeah 13 14 year old kid it's just in their nature to be bad kids mm-hmm. and it's no knock against them it's just who they are we're yeah. all bad kids um i mean varying varying levels of, of bad right there, negativity but... just like oh god you know yeah yep. yeah but you throw them online and it just gets amplified and escalated so quickly and gets so out of hand because mm-hmm. um, kids feel emboldened and empowered to just say whatever they want um, yeah. without any ramifications, repercussions, um, and without seeing the, the damage that it does to the kid they're doing it to mm-hmm. emotionally. Um, so that was that was tough. And not just for toxicity towards, towards Griffin, but you know, he wasn't always great. He would say something that he thought was funny, but it was like, Hey, you're not, that's not very nice. How would you right. feel if somebody said that to you? So if I heard him do saying something like that on stream to somebody, I would sit him down afterwards. And we'd have that talk about treating people with respect and dignity, dignity, yeah. 
and uh, just making sure he has an inclusive community where everybody feels safe to, yeah. to go and hang out. Nice. And now, you know, what are some of the moments that you look back and you're like, you, you know, the proud dad? What were some of the proud dad moments that you're like, you like, you can think of? Um, <clears throat> the the best moment I've had where it's been proud dad is this wasn't really one moment in particular, but he grew up around uh, work, coming to work, coming to DDI with me and getting to know the guys, the individuals and uh, didn't really think twice about who they were, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when guys go out in the community, if someone with a disability goes out in the community, they get second looks or stares or um, comments made. He didn't, he didn't, that wasn't him. He he knew to, they were just who they were, right? Yeah. Um, and they were his friends. So when he has someone in his, in his community who has autism or Down syndrome, like he would welcome them. He would pull them up on stream and play with them. And yeah. whether, you know, running bot races and, I guess that was very, very proud for me as a dad um, coming from that field and working mm-hmm. with individuals with disabilities that that was a space for them to go. And he still talks to them, talks to some of the individuals who talks to some of the kids who who have disabilities like autism and mm-hmm. Downs and um, still talks to them. He's still part of his community to this day. And, you know, we met, meet a couple of them when we go to some events and yeah. our parents are very grateful. So that, that makes me feel good that I'm, I'm doing something right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cause you know, that age that could be, you know, there could be some really you know mean things that mean past that could go down when, you know, if you see, you know, things like that, but that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. So he's got, got a lot of pretty amazing things he's done uh, before. I mean, he's only 19 now and he's done some pretty incredible things in the short time uh, the, the, of his career, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's that's the one that sticks out the most to me. Ah, very nice. Yeah. And, and now, you know, what would you say to some of the parents who have, you know, they have that 13, 14 year old kid that is just, you know, blowing up right now. What would you say to them? How would you say, here's, you know, here's some things you really got to look out for. Or here's some, you know, things to, to work with them on. Uh, first and foremost, I tell them just to, to be there for your kid, talk to them. Um, don't push yourself on them because they're still kids. They need their space. Yeah. They need space from their parents, but let them know that you're there to talk to them. Um, you know, after uh, Griffin's streams, when he was younger, uh, you know, at first I would run in there and be like, you know, if something went, went down or if there was any toxicity, negativity, like, Oh my God, are you all right? Let's talk about it. And he'd be like, dad, I just give me a few minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let me relax, decompress. So I knew like, let me back off a bit. Let me give him that time to decompress. And he would come out of his room after a half hour and come talk to me. Um, so that's when I knew like, all right, the communication is there. He knows it's, he yeah. knows he can come to me for anything. Um, so just make sure your kids know you're there for them. Make sure you're, you're around and available. Make sure you're on Twitch, you're on Twitter, you're on kick, whatever, whatever streaming platform, social platform. So you, so you know what's going on and you kind of keep an, keep an ear out for, for anything that's happening yeah very good and and kudos to you and and you know you're two you're the only two that i've met so far but to recognize that the talent that you have you know you, the potential and the opportunity for your child and to make those bold moves of hey okay we're going to do what we can to promote and and get you on the, the best path because a lot of parents would you know hesitate on doing the homeschooling thing pulling them out of school yeah it was uh I mean, the way you look at it, like, 
aside from treating it like any other traditional sport, making sure your kid goes to you know little league practice, soccer mm-hmm. practice, basketball practice, he got pretty lucky and had a once in a lifetime opportunity to ride this out and kind of play it out. Yeah. No matter which way it went, he could have lost all of his followers after a month mm-hmm. um, and been back to streaming to two people. But he uh, he stepped up and he knew how to entertain people and, and keep them coming back for more. And um, yeah, it was just kind of riding it out. And like I said, once in a lifetime opportunity yeah. that you just couldn't pass up. Yeah, absolutely. And now at what point was Cope born or, you know, sort of started? Where did that Was there a certain moment that aha or you just you met some people and here we need to do this to help other parents? Cope was always an idea um in the back of Shay and I. Uh Shay Williams, her son is Duster. Uh we've always we we have been friends for, you know, a couple of years now. Um about a year prior to COPE, we've always talked about like kind of a support network. Um, and that just kind of stemmed with meeting those parents uh, in the, the, the Fortnite community and being that like tight knit group that we had on Twitter. Uh, but the aha moment came when um, June 2020 throws a COVID, we're all bored, we're all on Twitter. Uh, kids started like hitting up our DMs um, daily, like, and then one. Um, significant tweet that added up all the parents in the uh, the community we had was why do you support your kids and how do I get my parents to support me? So everybody started jumping in, all the parents, like, yeah, what advice, how to, how to talk to your parents. And then one of the parents came out, um, you know, tweeted, like, you guys should start um, uh, a community, start a coalition, a parent group, and call it COPE. Uh, so that night, Shay looked it up and was like, there are no resources here for parents. There are no parent support groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so next day, uh, you know, Shay filed the paperwork and we were off and running. Yeah. And then co- the Coalition of Parents and Esports. That's what COPE is. That's us. Yep. And now how did the kids know to reach out to the parents of you guys? Or was there just a known group of, you know, Fortnite gaming parents or something along those lines that, you you know, people would just ping or... Yeah, they they knew us as you know, Duster's mom and Skeptic's dad and yeah. Benji's mom and um, Crimson's dad was was early on supporter. Um, so yeah, they they all kind of knew us, uh, and they knew to reach out to us. Like we we had made a I guess made a name for ourselves, mm-hmm. but um, in a good way. We we had gotten the respect of the community. Uh, we weren't we we wanted to make it clear that we weren't there to be like nanny parents and hover over them and yeah keep them from anything that was bad but we're here to support you guys if, if you need the help for anything oh nice and now yeah. one of the things i i read on you know in the, the sort of the cope statement is you guys you know you're there to sort of disprove the negative stigma associated with esports so what are some of those misconceptions that you guys try to you know try to address oh there's so many <laughs> um that gaming is esports solitary activity. Uh, that you're not an athlete if you're a gamer. Um, you're not learning anything. You're melting your brain. You're wasting away in your parents' basement by yourself. Uh, so many things wrong. So many bad misconceptions about gaming and esports. We've seen. You know, we we've had. You know, Shay and myself and 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 we've had the privilege of seeing 
firsthand what our kids have learned here. Um, branding and marketing at the age of 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't doing any of that when I was 13. Um, I wasn't branding myself, marketing myself. Right. But my, our kids are working with their friends. They're working with artists over in, in Turkey and different countries and making sure they're they're getting paid. They're learning finances. Um, you know, at 14, Griffin came down. Uh, one day he came down the steps and he was like, Dad, I just got a sponsorship deal. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I just... I just uh, negotiated a sponsor deal. Um, I'm like, all right, first of all, that's kind of illegal because you can't be signing anything. And second of all, like, that's awesome. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, so he passed it off to me. But yeah, like, these are the things that kids are learning, like real world skills that mm-hmm. you're not necessarily taught in school. Um, so yeah, being able to have that firsthand viewpoint, that that vantage point that we had was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Now, something you just you, know, you sort of touched upon about you know esports not being a sport and something I think is really cool in in my normal day job you know we do a lot of uh, put a lot of technology into schools and universities and whatnot and some of it is working with the esports teams of like Division One schools. The fact that schools now have a Division One esports team I think is phenomenal because now you got the kids who can wear the school colors and represent UConn. They can re- represent Syracuse. And be a part of the community. Yeah, it's it's incredible how far it's come. And like even you know we're, we're partnered up with Magic Gaming, mm-hmm. Orlando Magic. Um, just watching those guys train and talking to those guys and hanging out with them, like they train at a performance center. Uh, they they're out getting their exercise in daily, getting their workouts. They're doing mental training, physical training, you name it, they're out there doing it. Everything in an athlete that a, a traditional athlete would, yeah. would be doing. It well. Yeah. So, and I think this is something you shared with me about some corporations are now reaching out to sort of, you know, build their own, you know, esports team. Like they have the softball team and now you have the esports team where gaming is no longer, you find somebody you used to work with at the water cooler and say, you game. Oh, that's cool. You know, it's no longer that secret, you know, hush, hush. Now it's, it's okay to be, be gamers. Yeah, I mean they're using it to recruit um, new employees. Like IBM has, uh, you know, a corporate esports league, and all these other big companies like have their own corporate esports leagues, and they compete within the company and also compete against other companies. So it's, yeah, again, it's it's crazy how far it's come in it such is. a short time. Yeah, absolutely. So now I see on you have two boards. You have an industry board and you have a parental board. And the parental board's an, an NA and a EU side of that from a, a board standpoint, any chance of getting, you know, sort of representation down in, in Australia, New Zealand? Yes. We actually have uh, a few parents that we speak with frequently from Australia um, who are big supporters. Um, we're in the process over the next couple of months of kind of revamping our board. Like the parents on there are going to stay on there. We're just going to be adding more to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we have a pretty strong network in, uh, in Australia, which is great great to see a lot of a lot of parents down there like yeah. who don't necessarily have the resources because they're out in a remote area mm-hmm. but they're finding ways to get it done yeah. and, and making you know local community land centers for kids to go and play now are you seeing any difference between like the eu parents versus the north american parents or sort of things they're running into or something that's a little bit different over there or really it's a lot of the common you know common questions common things that everyone's sort of dealing with it's a lot of the common questions. I mean, some of the differences kind of rely, you know, go back to like education with some of the different structures and schooling. Yeah. Um, 
taxes as well, different tax systems and things that they have, they have to look out for. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, uh, it, it's great that we have that network over there. We've got uh, different um, CPAs over in Europe who who work with us and help us out. Um, so yeah, but mainly a lot of the same same issues yeah. coming up as parent and looking for those resources and finding them. Yeah, especially if you've got you know one of you, if one of your kids is making a lot of money coming in now, like what do we do from a tax standpoint? And you know that's you know you know if a parent yeah. doesn't really know what's going on, all of a sudden, hey mom, here's thirty thousand dollars I have, and it's like holy crap. Yeah, especially with a minor, and you don't know like what's that threshold that a minor has to, you know, to uh, sub submit taxes and, and yeah, uh, yeah. Th there's a lot to learn. Yeah. It's much more than just. Uh, paying attention to, to social media yeah. and their stream. It's yeah, it's yeah. You need the help to come to Cobalt guide yeah. you in the right spot. <laughs> and then on the industry board, it was nice to see you've got representation for, from a bunch of different gaming organizations and a lot of, you know, a wide breadth of knowledge on the board. Yeah. And a lot of the people on the board are, uh, the industry board are, close partners of ours that we had met when we first launched yep. um who have been the biggest supporters from day one um yeah too many too many to name but like we wouldn't be here without all their support yeah um and without us being able to rely on them for their help and their insight yeah so cool and now you know how do you guys approach educating some of the parents or educating the parents on the you know the benefits of esports and trying to address their concerns such as you know gaming addiction and and the health issues that go along with that? Well, we we take a couple couple different approaches. We meet a lot of parents and educators as well at uh, events like DreamHack and GCX. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were at XP League, is a youth esports tournament. Um, they had their North American finals down in Orlando at Full Sail University a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. A little over 300 kids were there competing. All their families were there, their parents, grandparents, siblings. So we got a chance to, to meet with them and talk to them. Some of them, you know, they, they knew the ropes. They knew what was going on and, and uh, they were all pros at it. But some <laughs> of them were very new and didn't really know what was happening. And they were just there to support their kids and... Being able to sit down and talk to them in person, face to face, mm -hmm. uh, to see their eyes light up while they're watching their kids on the big screen is is incredible. Um, but we also, you know, visit schools. We we do a lot of uh, a lot of podcasts, yeah. uh, a lot of meetings at schools. Tomorrow, I actually have a webinar, a town hall meeting with uh, some parents from a youth league. Um, yeah, with uh, school districts, we do town hall meetings as well, where we'll just come up and talk and open the floor up for them to ask any questions yeah. that they have. But yeah, we're, we're kind of all over the place nice. in person, virtual. Yeah. That's actually was going to be one of my questions. Do you guys interact with the local, you know, middle schools and whatnot? So that's, you know, because I'm sure yeah. that's, you know, even in my little town, there's talks of like, you know, e you know, putting together like esports teams and whatnot. And they may not know their, you know, blank from the blank, but you know, they, you know, to, to know that there's organizations out there like that, uh, like you guys yeah. are, to reach out and get help with. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And now, uh, you know, I think we talked a little bit before DreamHack, you were talking about having the uh, Cope Cabana, Cope Cabana, the, the Cabana. Right. How did it go? Uh, it, it went great at DreamHack. Very thankful like, for everybody over at DreamHack who has helped us. Um, Guillermo, Claudia, like all the staff there. Absolutely. Absolutely incredible. Um, 
So yeah, DreamHack kind of looped us in and folded us into their their plans. We had a spot on the map nice. that had Copacabana Parent Lounge there. Uh, so that was pretty incredible. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, like 30 by 40 floor space. Wow. Uh, a lot of parents came down to network and hang out. We had our partners from Glorious there as well, who donated a bunch of stuff to us. Um, had a massage table. Uh, parents and kids, gamers, while they're competing, breaks between gaming, they'd come over and get some massages. Nice. So yeah, it was a lot of fun, a lot of foot traffic. And uh, yeah, we just have more stuff planned for, for Atlanta and all the future dream hacks yeah. as well. Hopefully uh, going to be making it over to Sweden for winter as well. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, 30 by 40. That's a serious, that's some serious space they gave you. Because I know when we did trade shows, you know, 10 by 10 booths were the start. And then, you know, that's from prime real yeah. estate you get. Yeah, we, we solved the need for them and they really appreciated us and yeah. what we do. Uh, and very supportive of us from day one, the, the first day we met met with them. Um, so, you know, parents, when they go to DreamHack or they go to these these events where their kids are competing, mm -hmm. if something goes wrong, the computer broke or they don't have a monitor and they tend to get a little antsy and yep. maybe, you know, talk a little loud back to some of them uh -huh. the staff who are just trying to help their kids figure it out. Um, so they, they kind of redirect some of those parents over to us and we, we help nice. take care of them and help make them feel comfortable at home, ease any of their anxieties yeah. and kind of let them know that, you know, this happens. We just got to roll with it, but their kids still going to be able to compete. Excellent. And now, yeah. you know, since the inception of COPE, what's been some memorable highlights for you? Some like, you know, some moments that you're like, wow, I'm, you know, this is amazing that we did this. Uh, again, so many, like I can't, it's still any event we go to. It's still hard to uh, uh, believe with how far we've come. At, like we blew up very quickly as an organization, mm -hmm. but you know, last year and this year at GCX, we have a panel with uh, Doctor Lupo oh, wow. and uh, potentially Tifu's dad. That's like being on the stage with them. Like I, I don't belong there, but it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, but you but do yeah, belong I mean, there though, because you can, you created something. That was really, really needed for parents and and gamers, you know. So, you know, you're the first ones in there with this concept. And, yeah, you do belong there. I do. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, but it's it's that internal insecurity that right. we all have. Yes. And all the, you know, everybody from teenagers all the way to adults. So you just kind of never grow out of it. It's like, yeah. wow, I'm, I'm, I'm up here with, <laughs> with Dr. Lupo. Um, this is pretty incredible. So Absolutely. Yes. Those are some of the things that stand out. Cool. Yeah. And now, you know, looking ahead, what do you guys have for like future goals or aspirations for COPE? Uh, we're just focused on fundraising. Mm -hmm. um, so we really want to kind of kick off, uh, you know, the COPE Community Fund. We really hope to get some scholarships out there for kids. Nice. Uh, we're working on some some partnerships with PCs to, you know, run some some giveaways, some grants to to kids who are a little less fortunate, might not have the beans to buy in, you know, because of the high barrier of entry for gaming. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, scholarships, cope chapters. You know, when you look at like high school football teams, baseball teams, they have booster clubs. Mm -hmm. We'd like to get uh, cope chapters out there, where esports clubs, esports teams in high schools have a chance to uh, get their communities involved, get the parents involved help raise money you know schools have the pcs but they might not have the peripherals or yeah. the jerseys you just be there for them uh, to help them raise some money for their kids and get the community involved that is awesome so now how can individuals or other organizations who are interested in supporting cope what you know how do they you know reach out what's the best way 
You can find us on Twitter, CopeGG. Um, you can find our website, cope.gg. Uh, yeah, sign up for our newsletter, best way to stay informed. Um, reach out to us online, couple contact buttons on, on the website. Um, hit us up in DMs. Um, yeah, any, any way that anybody wants to help, we're always open to bringing more volunteers to help out. Awesome. Any way they want yeah. to be Are there any big holes that you're looking to fill right now? So, you know, somebody with certain specialty or training or backgrounds that you're like, man, if we had this person here who knew XYZ, that would be a, a great fit or something along those lines. Biggest thing we're looking for right now is grant writing. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the area where we know where to look for grants. Uh, we have an idea. It's just being able to find the time, the bandwidth to sit down and write up a grant proposal that's you know they're they're very specific and have to be very detailed yeah um so yeah we're looking for a grant writer right now um any extra social media help facebook is a, a huge hole that we're missing right now uh and that's kind of the key to hitting that's where all the parents are they're all still on facebook exactly um so yeah we're looking for that 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 parent that Somebody who knows Facebook uh, inside and out who can help us reach those parents. Not the local administrator of the local town. You don't want that person. You know, <laughs> that helps too. Yeah. Oh man. So now away from cope and away from gaming. You know. So you you're a drummer and moon. And also I saw something else. You're there's a, a link you had uh, vibe bio. So what's vibe bio? So Vibe is, uh, you know, my day job is I work for a director of marketing for a biotech company. Um, so we, you know, the mission is, you know, finding a cure for every community with a focus on, you know, when you look at uh, pharma and biotech right now, um, it's all about funding those big projects that make money, yep. right? Um, and a lot of the biotech companies right now, when they hit like critical inflection points um, where they could really be making a lot of change, they're running into walls where they either need more funding, they need more resources. And that's where Vibe steps in to, to kind of help finance, you know, some of these biotech companies okay. who are making making moves to uh, critical moves to find cures and uh, drug development for for underfunded diseases, uh, helping them reach those inflection points. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. So now Moon, what kind of, you know, how would you describe Moon's music? Whew. I don't like putting labels on the music. I like letting the music speak for itself, but it's straight up rock. Yeah. Um, yeah. Heavily, heavily influenced by you know, Radiohead, Mars Volta, uh, Afghan Wigs, Twilight Singers, um, Jeff Buckley, Beatles, you name it. Yeah. We're kind of all over the place. All so. right. And now since we're talking a little bit about music, what, you know, what concert stands out for you? And you're, you know, you're, you know, that you've experienced over the years? Is there one certain concert or festival that stands out? It's like, yeah, that was amazing. They, they've they all been like <laughs> so good. Um, one of the most memorable was seeing Pearl Jam. Mm -hmm. um, hands down, favorite band. Seeing them West Palm Beach. Uh, there was a hurricane off way out over the ocean, but you know, right on the water, we're watching them. Tide was rolling in, waves are crashing in. Uh, sunset right there is absolutely an amazing show. One of the best, yeah. best shows I've seen. Um, nice. Another one is Primus. First show oh. I went to with my son last year. Oh, wow. Um, his first, first like rock show. He had been to like Rolling Loud. Uh, he's seen J. Cole, some, some other uh, big hip hop artists, but uh, Primus is different. Take... 
being able to take him to his first rock show was was uh was memorable i've got uh the primus poster with the ticket behind me over here nice from the show so that was, that was a lot of fun yeah yeah so now you know when you step away from the computer and the drum set you know what do you like to do outside uh, I'm a big card collector, baseball card collector. Yeah. Um, and listen to music. Music always on, listen to music. Yeah. And uh, I'm getting into uh, fitness and working out right nice. now with my kid. He's kind of kind of wrote me into going to the performance club with him and and uh, trying to get into shape. Oh, awesome. And now what's, you know, baseball card collector, what's missing from your card collection? Is there any one that you'd love to get? Ooh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that I want to get. Um, any mantle card that's out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's kind of big on my list. Um, I'm still looking for a Jeter auto. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any cards of his that are that are autoed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could have a whole list. That I could. <laughs> and now, <laughs> who's your get. baseball team? Uh, I'm a huge Yankees fan. Oh, okay. All right. So now being a baseball fan, what's your take on the whole pitch clock? I I was very against it at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting used to it now. My only issue with it is, see, I can watch any game, anytime, anywhere. Uh, and usually like late night, I'm, I'm up late. I yeah. run those game wars, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately. Um, so I'm always up late, but I've always got a game on. Um, so I'd have an Angels game on, Dodgers game. Um, but now they go so quick. They're mm-hmm. over by like 1215, 12:30. <laughs> like I got nothing to watch after that. So. Right. <laughs> um so yeah, it's it's good and bad. Yeah. But, yeah. Is there a ballpark out there that you'd like to see? Uh I'd I'd like to see all of them. I really want to go, I have it on my list to go to Pittsburgh soon. Mm-hmm. I've heard that's a beautiful, beautiful park. Yeah, I hear the city's beautiful and the the park is beautiful. Um, so went to Wrigley uh, last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, hands down, one of my favorite. Uh, as much as I hate the Red Sox, uh, Fenway and Wrigley are two of the best places I've been to. Just yeah. they're historic landmarks. So there's just something special when you walk in and you look up and you you know you there's the field and it's just yeah. even yeah it's it just yeah like you it, you get goosebumps when you see that field. Yep, the just being able to see it and just the smell of it, the mm-hmm. smell of the fresh grass out yeah. there, and the smell of the ballpark. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's that. There's, there's nothing, nothing better than it. No, absolutely. All right, well, Chris, hey, thank you so much for doing the pod. You know, we've come to the end, but before you go, though, like with every guest, I ask the guest to call out somebody who would be a good, uh, would have a good story to come on the pod. Ooh, who'd be have a who'd have a good story? Um, I mean, my, my kid would have a great story. Uh, yeah. Actually, um, also Black Line. Okay. Uh, a marketing CMO for Cope. Yeah. Director of marketing for Cope. He's got a great story. He uh, came up from from just being a, being a gamer, and mm-hmm. he got into uh, the management side of it and found his way over into Cope as an intern. And next thing you know... You know, he's been here almost two years now, and he's the director of marketing partnerships. And wow, yeah, he's got a pretty fascinating story. He's uh, he's the example that we like to show all the parents. Like this is this is where your kid can go. Yeah. Well, you bring up a really good point um, that you don't have to be that you know a lister gamer 
cracking heads everywhere. There's many opportunities for you to excel and do well inside of content creation and streaming. Exactly. And even behind the scenes too, like, um, like the event where we're at a full sale, like all the students put that together, yeah. production of the show, lighting, um, stage and set design. Like there's, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes and esports and so many career opportunities out there. Yeah. Ah, and now speaking of your son, what's his, uh, what's on his roadmap? What's he's, what he's, what does he have going on these days that you may want to shout out? He's, uh, he's doing a lot behind the scenes. He, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know if he got burnt out, but he, he, he'd been doing that for so long. Yeah. At such a young age. Uh, he wanted to take a step back from the spotlight a little bit. Um, so, you know, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, you fell off, but no, he's like, he's doing a lot behind the scenes. Uh, you know, he's, he's working with other, other creators, other influencers. He's doing a lot of stuff on TikTok and Snapchat. Um, nice. so yeah, he's out here making moves and he's, you know, he's, he's big into investing and he's got a lot going on for, nice. again, for a 19 year old to be doing as much as he's like, I wasn't doing half of that as a 19 year old. I was in college partying. <laughs> yes. Uh, but the main thing, parties, but... the main thing is, is he happy? That's all we can ask yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's all I can ask for. Like. Um, yeah, just, that's all you can ask for as a parent is, is seeing your kid happy and, yeah. and he's happy doing what he's doing. Um, and, and that makes me happy and that makes me proud. Excellent. Yeah. It's funny. You said investing my 20 year old, my son, who's 20, he went down that path of investing and he's like, dad, we got to buy Bitcoin. We got to buy Do Dodge. I was like, no, Ethan, no, let's just stop, you know, but they got to learn yep. and you know, that's part of life. Yep, I've been there, been there with him, <laughs> and I've been there doing it myself. So yeah, yeah. I learned. Uh, well, Chris, thank you again so much. It was awesome to meet you, and uh, you know, good luck to cope. Thank you, I appreciate it. Appreciate you taking the time and having me on. And uh, yeah, it was great talking to you. Great getting to know you. Mm -hmm.